On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we have the first look at the college football playoff rankings, and it's a little bit of a shocker. I don't know how the committee can leave off the defending national champion and undefeated Clemson football team from their top four. I think that was just an absolute troll job by the committee. We're going to talk about it as well as who we think has a pretty good path to make it to the final playoff decisions. Then we shift our attention to this week as there is a massive, massive game featuring the LSU Tigers and Alabama Crimson Tide. Is Tua going to play? Is he not going to play? I don't know. Does Coach O have enough up his sleeve? We shall see. Then we shift our attention to the NFL as we welcome back our own insider, Coulter. We're going to be talking about the draft class of 2018, specifically the quarterbacks and how that all of a sudden does not look like a good draft class. We're also talking bad coaches. We've got key picks. We've got babies. We've got dogs. We've got a little bit of everything. So have a show. Episode 55 of Double Down Trend. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host as always. Once again, I am joined by my co-host Aaron, aka the model. And Air, you are doing double duty right now. How are you feeling? You know, dad duty never ends. I have my little two-year-old daughter here in my lap as we record. I suspect that she'll make a cameo at some point, but uh, I'm ready to get in and talk a little college football. It's been a fantastic couple weeks. Yeah. Hey, dad doesn't sleep. The pod doesn't sleep. You are a trooper for doing double duty right now, my friend. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) All right. Before we get into everything, let's take care of our normal housekeeping. Let's tell the listeners where they can find us. Yeah, we need some podcast reviews. We need to help other folks find our podcasts. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Um, we're also on social media. Come check us out on Twitter at Double Down Corp. We're much more active there. We're also on Instagram at Double Down Trent. And then obviously we run the website, doubledowntrent.com. That's where you can come join the competition, click around, see what's there. Another way, a good way to get in touch with us. As all and. I should plug, we haven't gotten a voicemail in a while. Would, yeah. would love to get one of those. Mark Wahlberg was the last one to fucking leave us Amazing. a voicemail. That's a problem. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and we're looking at uh, maybe you, Shep Dog, maybe you, JoJo. You're dominating the standings. Leave us a review. Tell us how much you're dominating us. Come on. <laughs> should we go into – there was some big news that happened last night. So the college yes. football playoff – release their first set of standings. Should we, should we tackle it? Let's jump right into that one. Now, the reason they do it when they do it is for people like us, for podcasts, for talk show hosts, for everyone to debate this, because a lot is going to shake out in the next six weeks. So let's go over the initial release and let's talk about the teams who are in and almost as importantly, the teams that are not in. Yeah. So, and, and this is one of the things that grinds my gears there's going to be so much that changes even after this coming weekend with LSU Alabama play, playing that really this is pure just fodder for the media. 
So as a data-driven guy, I think this is just pure heresy that they're releasing it so early. It doesn't really matter at all. So I expect a lot will change. So released number one, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes. Are you shocked by that? Uh, I'm not shocked that they're in it. I think I'm a little shocked that they're number one, but they were going to be included in the top four no matter what. So I I guess that doesn't matter. They're another team too, that there's a lot that's got to shake out with them. So not, not a surprise they're in there. I'm just a little surprised they're at one. I totally agree with that. And I definitely think they are very deserving of being in the top four. Uh, In number two, we have LSU. 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 Yes, correct. That doesn't um, surprise me. Does not surprise me. The thing that we've been alluding to, they play Alabama, which is the number three team this coming weekend, probably the best game all year. So obviously something's got to drop. One of those are not going to be sticking around for long. Whoever loses will be quickly dropping. So to me, this is kind of just, again, fodder and uh, you know very impermanent. Yeah, and this game on Saturday's got a lot to to say with how not just the playoff is going to shake out, how the SEC is also going to shake out. You know, you I, I just am pretty confident that you're going to get two SEC teams, despite of all the carnage that's probably going to happen in the next couple of weeks. What you would tie your little bow to if you are one of the two teams playing on Saturday, Alabama or LSU, is that you just got to hope that if you lose the game. You got to hope that the team that beat you wins out, wins out in the conference, wins out in the SEC championship, because that paves the road for you as a one loss team who's got a really good resume to sneak into the playoff ahead of some of these other one loss teams. So, you know, you're going to say this game has got a lot in the line and it does. But ultimately, the losing team is not going to be eliminated regardless of what happens on Saturday. Yep. And then the surprise, I think, to everyone was number four, a Penn State team has snuck in there ahead of Clemson as number four. So that was the big shocker to me. They have an interesting matchup this coming weekend against Minnesota, also undefeated, which we'll talk about in our games. But that was the one that stood out that that was not what I was expecting. Yeah, I think that surprised pretty much everybody. Uh, The fact that Clemson got left off this list is shocking. Now, Clemson, they went out and I think it's pretty unanimous. They're going to win out. They're going to yep. make the playoff. It, yep. it just, it's a testament to how bad the ACC is right now. That the fact that the defending national champion who is undefeated is not even in the initial first four is an insult to them. They're down. And, ACC is down this year. Yeah. But here's the funny thing about football. Football is one of those sports where it's a, a motivation sport. It's no one believes in a sport. So when you've got, Clemson, if you're Dabo, you're sitting there, you're going, guess what? Nobody believes in us. That's bulletin board material. And that's the last thing this Clemson team needs because they've almost been sleepwalking through the season. It's, it's weird that they're an undefeated team flying. So under the radar, but now the last thing you want is that team to wake up and play their full potential and make a charge through the playoffs. So if you're Dabo, I'm using that and being like, guess what guys, we've got a lot to prove. And I would definitely expect them to show up this coming week. I think they have NC State, and uh, the points spread there I think is right around something like 32 points or so. I wouldn't be shocked to see them blow that out to start making some statements for the rest of the year. And I agree with you. I very much see them winning out. I don't think that there's going to be a doubt in anyone's mind that they'll make the playoff uh, and see where they go. But it'll be interesting to see how a lot of this stuff plays out. Yeah. And then we got a couple of one-loss teams here that are sitting there hoping that some things break their way, including – my Georgia Bulldogs, the Oklahoma Sooners, and your Utah Utes. 
Yeah, this is where I love. So I want to talk a little some scenarios with you for a second, because some of these teams hold their own future in their in their hands, right? They hold, they hold their destiny in their hands. Yep. But uh, it can't be everyone. So, for example, we can bucket Oregon and Utah together. They're likely going to face each other in the Pac-12 uh, championship game. Yep. So whoever wins that game is likely going to be in the talk for getting into the playoff. Whoever loses is totally out. Same thing with Georgia. Uh, Georgia is going to be uh, in the SEC championship game if they if they win out. <laughs> hey, hey, what's up, girl? Uh, so that'll be interesting to see kind of how they land. Um, maybe they're going to end up playing in Alabama or LSU in the SEC championship game. And that's their shot to possibly get in the playoff. Yeah. And I've said that we argued about this. We've talked about it a couple times that Georgia still controls their destiny. If they win out, which I think they should, uh, they're going to play either the, you know, likely the winner of Alabama or LSU in the SEC championship game. And you just got to beat them. That's not an easy task, but Assuming they do, they get their way into the the playoff with one loss as an SEC champion, and it also opens the door. And that that's why I was saying there's going to be two SEC teams in there. There there just are. And Oklahoma they killed themselves with that loss. Utah killed themselves with that loss. Uh, I, I though you know the, the Pac-12 teams are just not going to sneak in over a one loss uh, SEC team, even if that SEC team, in theory, may not even play in the SEC championship game. Am I wrong? It's interesting because I, when I look at 538, and if we assume like an Oregon and Oklahoma win out, yep. or Oklahoma is 75% likely to make the playoff. Oregon is very much trailing at 39% likely to make the playoff. And if you look at someone like an LSU, assuming one loss to Alabama only, they only have 27% chance to make the playoff. So to me, they are very much behind the eight ball here, behind some of these other one loss teams. Not totally sure why. I agree with your sentiment that the SEC one-loss team should definitely be considered. But I, uh, based on what I'm seeing on 538, it's just not not the case. Yeah, and I guess the point that they would be making that is if LSU doesn't make it to the SEC championship game, how are you going to reward that team for making the playoff when they don't even win their conference and they don't even appear in the conference championship game? And that's the scenario that I'd be curious about because if you're looking at a situation where it's Alabama – or LSU, whoever the winner of that game is, which we're going to get to in our picks, if they go out and win and they win the uh, SEC, they're a lock. I think the team that they beat would be Georgia. They would then have two losses. They're out. Are you telling me that a one-loss LSU team is not as good or deserving as, let's say, the Oregon team that wins the Pac-12? That's the debate. Yeah, I can't say that. Yeah, and the Pac-12 Pac is just not that good. So when you've got LSU sitting there who's got a resume that we've seen all year – it's going to be very hard for them to leave that out. There's an SEC bias. We all know it. And I, for one, am fine with that. I'd, I'd rather see a second L, uh, SEC team in there than the Pac-12 champion, whether it's Oregon, Utah, or whoever, whoever could sneak in there. Well, we will know more after this weekend, after the big Alabama-LSU matchup. Yes, we will. Uh, is that a good segue to go into our picks from last week in, in the standings? It is. So let's do let's – do, <laughs> oh boy uh let's do the uh standings first and then we will talk about the games from last week how about that let's do it all right so in first place we have a new leader in the clubhouse we have shep dog who had a four and one week last week a phenomenal week and has jumped up and is currently at 61 percent accuracy just eking it out 
Uh, in second place, very close behind him, we have Graham at 60% accuracy. And then in third place, we have Jojo, our previous leader. Jojo. At 59% accuracy. Uh, Lenny in fourth place, 55%. And then in fifth place, we have a tie. Faye does not like ties. No. We want to see winners here. We're yeah. just a winning podcast. Winners only. We have a tie in fifth place at 53% accuracy, Colorado Rocky and Luann. So interesting little tidbit for us to do, uh, discuss here because I got a text from Luann, okay? And she said, just looked at the standings. Susan and I are tied. That is pretty funny. And I said, yeah, I know. I saw that. So funny. She goes, even funnier, we are beating all three of our boys. That I didn't think was too funny, but it, she's correct. So I was like, yeah, she's going through some uh, some questions about how the, the, you know, the sheet is broken down. She goes, yeah. Well, here, let me tell you what I did. I picked Georgia for AK, Utah for the Turleys, Wake for Aaron, and the other two, I have no idea. Ha ha. <laughs> little insight into how you win in picking football games here, because sometimes the less you know is the more you know. Well, I'm just going to say it doesn't matter where you are during the race. It matters how you finish the race. So I'm moving up. I like my position. I feel like I've got some momentum on my side. I'm coming, baby. I'm moving fast. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know uh, a summary of how I'm doing recently in the past three to four weeks? <laughs> I do. I do. Please tell me. I'm going to pipe in this when we do post-production here, but it's a song that I like to refer to. And free! Free falling. I have gone from first to ninth real yes. fast. Yes. Real fast. And I am now under 50%, so that's not good, my friend. It's not. All right, so uh, we alluded to it. Tied for seventh place after Colorado Rocky and Luann at 51% accuracy, we have Little Model and The Model, uh, me and my son. In ninth, just behind us, we have Mrs. Model and The Man, you, at 49% accuracy, still extremely close. And then in 11th place, we have another tie, Dumb Man 47 and AK at 48% accuracy. 13th place, The Legend, 45% accuracy, and still in last, 14th place, Deke Buff, at 40% accuracy. I just, I was playing with some numbers prior to the podcast. And I just want to call this out. If someone like me or you went five and O and Shep dog in first place went O and five, you could surpass them. So things are extremely close right now, my friend. Yes, they are. And you know what else is benefiting both of us? There's a lot of football left to be played, my friend. A lot of football left. That is music to my ears. All right. Should we go through last week's games? Let's do it. All right, the first game that we had uh, was actually a phenomenal game. Memphis was home against SMU. It ended up being much closer than what I anticipated. Memphis was a favorite five and a half points. I'm not sure any defense was played. Memphis no. ended up winning this game 54 to 48 by six points, just barely covering. What do you think? Uh, what I think is the amount of times that I've lost a football bet by half a point is so insane that it's almost not fair, but that's gambling. Uh, I went with my opposite gut there, lost by half point. That's one of those things where just you chalk it up to the gambling gods, not on your side. That's right. The second game that we had was Wake Forest. My Wake Forest Demon Deacons against NC State. Wake Forest was favored by seven and a half. 
Wake Forest came out and absolutely steamrolled here. They scored 34 points in the first half, never looked back. Final score was 44 to 10. This game was never close. I love that they actually uh, took NC State to town. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a performance by your Demon Deacons and so good of a team. It's the first time in school history that they are ranked in the college playoff uh, little standings there. So good job by the Demon Deacons. I, uh, I'm not going to assume that it continues. I know they have a, probably a tougher Virginia Tech game this coming weekend. So hopefully they can win that one as well. But I'm loving the performance so far. Yeah. And uh, if I may say, it's pretty interesting that uh, your Demon Deacons – are, are hanging around. So you got something to root for. Good job by them. All right. The third game that we had was maybe the best all weekend, Florida and Georgia at a neutral site. We had Florida as the underdog by five and a half points, Georgia, the favorite by five and a half. Um, I had taken Florida. You took Georgia. I lost you won. Uh, the Bulldogs came through and actually covered this one, but it was basically close all game. Yeah. We kind of figured that uh, I, I did say that Florida was an overrated six team in the country. I stand by that. Uh, my George Bulldogs are alive. We've gone over this path before uh, that they control their own destiny. I hope the, to hell they win out and they're going to have their their hands full in the SEC championship game. But if you're Georgia, that was your big hurdle. You still got Auburn on the schedule, which is not an easy team. Uh, but you can now see a closer, easier path than you had to making it to the playoffs. So good for Georgia. Yeah. Huge win for them. Totally agree. Our fourth game, USC was home against Oregon. Uh, USC was the underdog by five points. Oregon, the favorite by five. You and I were both on the USC side. USC looked super competitive early. Oregon's uh, offense just came out totally lethargic and then something snapped and Oregon came to life. They put up a ton of points starting in the second quarter and never looked back. This game finished Oregon 56 USC 24. Yikes. Yeah. And all of this does is reinforces the fact that I cannot read the pack 12 for my fucking <laughs> life. I don't want to see the pack 12 on any more games. If I see them, I'm just going to flip a coin because that is all I can do at this point. It's probably better than what I'm doing. I, uh, I'm just going to make a mental note to bring as many Pac-12 games to you as possible just to uh, just pure Pac-12 midnight football. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm going to keep you up late, too. All right. Our last game from last week, Washington was home against Utah. Utah was a slight favorite of minus three. I took my Utah Utes. You took your Washington Huskies. The Utah Utes ended up coming through, although it was a close game for much of it. They came through largely in the third and fourth quarters to put this one away. Yeah. And again, Pac-12. That's all I have to say. Pac-12. I don't I can't see it. (laughs) All right. Should we jump to this week's games? Because they are some phenomenal spread. We got a good slate of games this week. Faye, do you have an opinion here? Do you have a favorite game this week or are you just going to make some picks with dad? She you know, she's actually been making the picks for Mrs. Model over the last couple of weeks. So uh, she's been she's been doing just fine herself. Yeah. A little little peek behind the curtain. I see what you're doing over there. Okay, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so um, our first game is a fantastic Big Big Ten matchup with huge uh, West Division implications. We have Wisconsin home against Iowa. Wisconsin is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you like the Badgers or the Hawkeyes? I think uh, this, so, this game is tough for me to read because 
Wisconsin, I, I had a lot of faith in until they just got the doors blown off by them a couple weeks ago. So now I can't get a read on them. But Iowa's offense, to me, just is so anemic. And we've discussed that in the game against Michigan that I just cannot put any faith in the Iowa offense. Now, Wisconsin's been up and down. They should not lost to K-State, but here they are. And I still have faith in that offensive line. They're going to make noise. I know they've got nothing to play for in terms of the, the college playoff, but they can still be the spoiler here. They can still knock off Ohio state, which I think would give them a lot of pride. So even though this is a lot of points here, I'm riding with Jonathan Taylor. I'm riding with Wisconsin. I've been on them all year. Sometimes they've bit me. Sometimes they've paid off for me. I'm taking Wisconsin to cover the nine and a half at home. Madison's a tough place to play. Uh, I just, I can't pick Iowa's offense to do anything. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I love that pick. Um, My model has this game as a Wisconsin win by about 14 to 17 points. Yep. Um, I have not bet this game, um, but I do like Wisconsin in this spot. So I am right alongside you. We are both on Wisconsin minus nine and a half. Yeah. All right. Our second. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I I just can't put my faith in that offense. Totally agree. Iowa's offense has yet to show up. Uh, Their defense has been good all year. So our second, I know, did you not like the Wisconsin pick? She didn't like that pick? Uh Uh-oh, I don't know if I like that juju. All right, our second game, another Big Ten uh, doozy. An undefeated Minnesota team is home against a visiting Penn State team, also undefeated. Penn State is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you like Minnesota or Penn State? I'll be honest. I would have never thought Minnesota would be in this position, not in a million trillion years, but here they are. Um, my, my gut is telling me Penn state because this is going to be Michigan's first really big game in a really long time. And if you're looking at this between a team that's going to be at home, which is Minnesota, you would think the odds should be in their favor. This is going to be the biggest game they've had in a long time. The crowd's got to be into it. They've got to be in a position where they're ready to play. I just like the fact that Penn State has been here before. They've played big games. They've won in the Big Ten on the road. They've beaten better teams on the road. They beat Iowa on the road. They beat Michigan, which is a home game, I believe. But they beat Michigan State on the road. They've beaten some really good road teams. They've also beaten some really good teams. You don't just become the fourth team in the country in the first poll for nothing. I just, at this point, I have to take Penn State. Their defense is outstanding. I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to score with them. It's less than a touchdown here. So I'm taking Penn State minus six and a half. Yep. I uh, I like that pick a lot. I think uh, Minnesota's schedule has been uh, extremely underrated. Um, I think they've played a bunch of easy teams. And now in the last three games, the last couple of games, they're going to be seeing folks like Penn State, Wisconsin and Iowa, I think in three of their last four, um, I expect them to lose one, if not two of those games, if not all three. Um, my model has this game as an absolute coin flip, which to me feels a little off. I think Penn state is going to come through. I am disregarding the model here and going Penn state minus six and a half. Okay. Riding together in a couple of Big Ten teams. That's right. All right. Jump into the SEC for the matchup of the year. We have Alabama home minus five and a half as the favorite LSU visiting team plus five and a half. Who do you like, my friend? What a game. It is not an understatement to say that this is the game of the year so far. 
LSU Texas was uh, a pretty high bar to set, and I don't know if we're going to quite get the point scoring that we got in that game, but we're going to get an incredible SEC football game. Now, there's a few wild cards here. Obviously, Tua is questionable, and I think that's going to play a huge difference in this game. Do we have any updates on him? Yeah, and I just checked the news before this podcast started. It's still a game time decision. He has been practicing, but he has not been 100 percent. Uh, Saban doesn't know if he's going to play and said he's going to make the call right before the game. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's a huge game, but I would be shocked that if Tua plays in this game, I know you want to have your best player available for the biggest game of the year. I think Saban sees a path though, like we outlined where he can make it to the playoff and get to a healthy, even if they don't play in the sec championship game. So I see that as a real possibility, even without Tua, they are a loaded team. So the talent's not going to be lacking. They're at home and that makes it a tough call too. I just don't know how they're going to score though. If Tua is not playing, I think Joe Burrow in that offense has shown the ability to put up a ton of points and earlier in the year, that defense looked like it was lacking, but they showed up against Auburn and they really put the smack down defensively. I, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than a lot of people are anticipating. It's come down historically to field goals with, between these two teams. So the fact that LSU is getting points makes me want to take LSU. I got to go with our guy, coach. O. he's not the better coach in this scenario, but something about the LSU tiger team right now, I'm riding with them, man. I don't know if they're going to necessarily win, but five and a half points is enough for me to take them. Yep. Yeah. I, I like that pick. Um, so I'm going to be there alongside you, but this is going to be something that, again, I'm disregarding my model. So my model has this game as an Alabama win by about 10 points. Um, the thing is, my model can't take into account the health of the starting quarterback for Alabama, which to me is a huge question mark. Yep. If Tua was 100 percent healthy, then I would likely be taking Alabama minus five and a half, but I just can't do it. So I am right there with you. I don't think that Tua is going to play at all, or if he does, I don't think it's going to be very meaningful. I'm taking LSU plus five and a half, and I totally agree with you. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. That's just going to be a back and forth. And I think both teams are going to come out tentative because they know that this is probably the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, there's a path for Alabama to make the playoff without winning this game, without winning the SEC championship. So I think Saban just is going to play the the long game here. Hope that things shake out his way and not risk the the health of his, his star quarterback, because if he's out for the year, then they've went for the whole thing. And even if they win on Saturday, if, if Tua gets hurt for the long run, they don't have a guy like Tua sitting on the bench who he came in in the past for nope. hurts. That's not happening anymore. So sure. Don't, I can't see them risking him. I don't think Tua is playing this game. So give me, give me the Tigers. All right. Our next game that we have, we have Oklahoma home against an Iowa State team, a feisty Iowa State team. Uh, who do you like in this one? Are you going to go back to the Sooners well, or are you going to take Iowa State? I mean, Oklahoma coming off of that loss is one of the surprises of the year, and it does not put them in a good position looking forward here. Even if they win the Big 12, they're going to have to hope for some things to happen and shake their way to make the playoff. In my opinion, like you said, Iowa state's a frisky, frisky team. They play teams close. Ah, Man, I'm so torn on this one, but I'm taking 
Iowa State, give me the Cyclones. It's a lot of points. Oh, wow. All right. So you're going to Iowa State plus 13. And I know what people are going to say. Oklahoma is going to come out after a loss and just make a resounding win. I, I'm not doing that. And I and Oklahoma's coming out of a bye, too. So they lost to Kansas State two weeks ago. They're coming off a bye, and now they're coming into this game. Um, my model has this game as an Oklahoma win by about 17 points. So super close. Certainly one that's not worth betting. Um, the thing that I don't like about this even more is that I tend to run, so I'll run more than one model just to see if there's a huge discrepancies in what one model puts out versus what another puts out. So like one model, for example, this one had this game as like a 21 point win for Oklahoma. And the second model had this as a four point win from Oklahoma. So when those two things don't match up, it just feels to me like the confidence of this happening isn't quite there. Having said that, I'm just going to go with go with it and say that, you know, Oklahoma is going to come through here and show up. I hope their defense plays better than what they've done in the past. So this is one I'm going to go opposite with you on, and I'm going to continue to root for the, my Sooners to see if they can continue on with their only one loss. Oh, baby. The game for me that gives me a little faith in uh, in Iowa State is that they hung with Iowa, who, like we said, is a pretty good team. And they also beat the TCU team that we're about to talk about. So – I, I like that pick. It's a lot of points. So, yeah. So staying in the big 12, the last game that we have, I just wanted to continue to honor some of the teams that were undefeated. We have TCU home as a one and a half point dog against an undefeated, a surprisingly undefeated Baylor team with a one and a half point favorite. Uh, this is one that I wanted to get your take on. My model has one thing and uh, I wanted to talk you through it. Who do you like in this one? You like TCU home or Baylor as the yeah. slight favorite. I'm picking up a little trend here of you going against your model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this one is a fascinating one because I, I was shocked at what I had seen for this game. Uh, I'll be honest. I haven't seen a minute of either of these two teams play, but the fact that Baylor is undefeated is shocking to me, but maybe not to people who've been paying close attention to, to Texas football. I just I hate the, the program of Baylor football. OK, there's just something about them that I do not like. TCU, on the other hand, likable. They're a likable team. Now, I'm going to be completely honest and say I haven't seen a minute of either of these two teams play. Yeah. Fact. I always have a gambling tenant that I like to follow, and that is if you have a good team at home getting points, you take that. So I'm going to take TCU with the points. Give me the Horn Frogs, baby. Wow. All right. So my model is on your side here. So for whatever reason, I have no idea what my model is seeing. My model thinks this is going to be a TCU win by 14 points. Whoa. If I believed in my model for this game, this would be a game that I would typically bet. Now, this is the one time all year that I looked at it and said, I 100% don't believe it. And not only do I not believe it, I am going to be confident enough to bet the other side. So I have already made a bet earlier this week when lines came out of Baylor minus one. It is currently up to Baylor minus two and a half. So folks are continuing to get on that train. Um, but I am going against my model big time here. And I'm taking in our competition, Baylor minus one and a half for our, our uh, competition this week. 14 is a lot, a lot of now, points. Uh, the reason that I'm doing this and you can throw historical, you know, data and games out the window if you want, especially when it comes to in-state rivals, TCU took it to Texas. And I know that was not that long ago, 
But everyone says Texas is this really, you know, impressive team. They've got Ellinger. So that game for me is what swung this for me. Baylor being ranked 12th in the country is insane, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. That game is going to shake out. Uh, so I hope your model's right, man. I want to ride with that. <laughs> and for example, this one is, it's very consistent in what it's showing me, right? So again, I run multiple models and I end up tending to uh, average them together just as kind of creating an index. In one model, it's saying that it sees a Baylor win of about 11 points. In the other model, it's saying it sees a Baylor win of about 17 points. So it's just shocking to me. I never would have predicted this, even as I looked across uh, Texas TCU's kind of last couple games, which is one of the inputs that uh, my model uses. In the last three games, they've lost two and they've won one. So they lost to Kansas State 17-24. They beat a pretty good Texas team. They beat them 37-27. And then last week, they ended up losing to Oklahoma State 27-34. So I'm just not sure what my model is seeing uh, that I'm not. But maybe it's just kind of holding Baylor lower uh, in its power rating in general. And it hasn't allowed the power rating to catch up. But this, to me, is a total question mark. And it's just not something I believe. So I'm hoping the Baylor uh, Bears come through here. Well, and you look at it, too. Their losses are are relatively close losses. So the one and a half points to me helps me. Obviously you're getting points there and the Kansas state team. That's the team that just came out and knocked off Oklahoma. So the fact that they hung with them plus a win against Texas, that that's just the one thing that I think has got going in my favor, but we'll, we'll see the fact that the model is just so off on that, I think goes to show you why this game is such a low spread. It could be basically a coin flip here. Has me worried. Has yeah. me worried for sure. <laughs> um, okay. So let's, uh, before we sign off here, Let's look ahead uh, to what you think is going to be the four teams that are in the playoff rankings going into next week. Who you got, sir? I will say Ohio State. Yep. I agree with you. I think they'll crush Maryland. Yep. I I will say Clemson. Yep. I think they'll beat NC State and be the natural one to to move up. I'm with you there. I will say Alabama. Alabama. Okay. I'll say Alabama ends up coming through and winning the game against LSU. And then I'll say Penn State continues to stay just because I see them winning against Minnesota. I am with you all four of those picks, my friend. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe not in that order, but yeah. Yeah, I, and I didn't mean for to yeah. be that order, but those are the top four. Yeah. All right. We are in agreement. A rare agreement there. Well, my friend, uh, let's see what happens. Uh, I'm going to let you know and let the, the, the listeners know that I'm going to try and go the entire day Saturday without getting a score update in the LSU Alabama game because I have a commitment. I will not be able to watch it as it's happening live. I've got it recording. So anyone who knows me is probably going to be now texting me. I probably should not have put this out onto the podcast yeah. world, but it's done now. We'll see if I can manage. Uh, that was a good segment. Good episode, my friend, everybody let's, uh, stick around for our NFL picks but before we get there. Did you have any, uh, any picks that you wanted to give the listeners? I, I do. I'm trying to balance my picks and wanting to talk about them versus the uh, two-year-old in my lap. <laughs> the biggest discrepancy I'm seeing this coming weekend. And I've bet this game is Kentucky against Tennessee. Not the basketball matchup. <laughs> Not the box. That's, that's right. So this is football. So, uh, this line opened as a Kentucky slight favorite over Tennessee. The line opened right at Kentucky minus two and a half. It has since dropped down to now be Kentucky favorite as minus one. 
I went ahead and put my bet in early. So I actually got Kentucky minus two and a half. So I actually got the worst of the line. Okay. But my, my model has this game as a Kentucky win by about 19 points. Um, I'm surprised by that it is by far the biggest discrepancy that I'm seeing this week. Um, not sure that I like it, but I see this as being a resounding Kentucky win. So that is the one that I have my eye on uh, and that I'll call out here. Okay. Interesting. We'll see what happens with that one. Now is the point where we're going to go to our NFL segment. So stay tuned. Our insider Coulter is joining us. So stick around for part two. Okay, for our second segment, as always, we are welcoming back Double Down Trent's very own insider, Coulter. What's going on, my man? Feeling good. Another victory in the pool this week. I've moved into first place. So, you know, Monday night was a drag. Uh, Jason Garrett was torturing me there for the first half of that football game, but the over cashed in, which I needed, and the Cowboys covered. So I ended up being the the league winner for the week. And, and I don't want to minimize this. So even though you might not be doing so hot with your picks on the pod, you are absolutely killing it in our pool for the season long uh, NFL picks. You have already won twice in the weekly contests and you are in first place in overall standings. So to me, you are hot and I'm just ready to ride you. Yeah. You know, I was only eight and six last week, but you know, talking about riding one of us, you know, I rode key pick castle. I got the two pointer on the Philadelphia Eagles after we listened to his great handicap last week and, uh, eight and six overall, but that got me to nine points, which was good enough. And all I needed was that over on Monday night. And the, you know, I don't know why all all the people in our pool were back in the giants. The giants lack total talent as I uh, outlined last week on the podcast. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett again maybe sweated out, but I mean, the Giants are, as Kaz can testify, are just they're just a talentless bunch right now. I'll tell you exactly why they're that league is all over the Giants. It's a whole bunch of New York people, so they're obviously biased against the Giants. But I also thought it was going to be a backdoor cover, and I, it took convincing from you to make me swap that pick, and I'm so thankful that you made me do that. Hey, what can I say? You know, when I see it, uh, that spread I loved because of the extra half point, which I don't usually do. It, you know, the half point is what makes you kind of raise your eyebrow and get concerned. But I went right into it and I won. So was happy about that. Sometimes you just got to be determined and when you're betting. Yeah, man. The theme that we're going to go on with today is just how much lack of talent there is in the NFL, both on the sidelines and on the field. Do we want to start with coaches? Do we want to start with quarterbacks? I mean, there's just so much shit to go through. I think we have to start with the quarterbacks because the quarterbacks can't get fired necessarily, or they're going to be the first ones uh, to be protected. Whereas the coaches are going to be the ones that catch the wrath of the GM and the owner. So in Cleveland, you know, Freddie kitchens is on his way out as we talked about last week, but Mayfield is going to get another year. But the question really is how good is this guy? It's a a valid question, and it's a question that after last year, you never would have thought you'd be having this conversation, especially given the fact that they traded for Odell. They got all these weapons offensively. They promote their quote-unquote offensive guru that was behind, I get, or in theory behind a lot of the success with with Baker last year. And fast forward nine weeks, here we are, where you're questioning whether Baker is even the guy of the future, and – 
you're questioning how quickly or how many more weeks does Freddie Kitchens have left as a head coach? Absolutely. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head. I mean, how many weeks are we going to give this guy? I, I was surprised black Monday did not come for Freddie kitchens at Adam Gase after week nine. Um, I guess they just don't have head coaches on, on the sideline. They're interim head coaches. I mean, I would think for Gase, uh, Greg Williams would be an obvious one. I don't really know what these two teams are waiting for. I mean, losing to Miami is the worst thing I've seen a team do this year. So I'm not really sure what the Browns and jets logic is, but to the Baker Mayfield point is, you know, I don't watch a lot of Browns or I didn't until they started being on national TV every other week, like they are this <laughs> season. But last year I got a nice long look at them and Baker Mayfield carved us up like a Thanksgiving day Turkey out in mile high. It was week 15, I believe. And he had, I think his best game as a pro just absolutely down the field, every single drive. The guy looked like a real pros pro. And here we are, as you said, fast, fast forward, uh, a full year. He's back at mile high he looked like a JV quarterback. They only get 19 points on us. He loses to a guy who's never played before in the NFL and to a team that really, I think, gave a max effort in Indianapolis the week before. I did not expect the Broncos to give the effort that they gave. And you know what? I just saw something on Twitter. The Broncos said the defensive player of the month in the AFC. I was like, well, that is credit to Baker Mayfield or the week, I should say. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I credit to him. But like, let's also say Baker is the one who's also providing Week after week, these defenses are picking them apart. Yeah, and I can't believe I picked them. I can't believe that I had confidence in them. They're on my done list. I, I've done this in the past. I put teams on a done list. The model can speak to that. Once you're on my done list, you are officially done. And guess what? Cleveland, rightly so, is fucking done. I just couldn't believe that game watching it. They Not only do they have zero offensive prowess, Nobody on the Cleveland team looked like they wanted to be there. That's the worst part is, you know, it's one thing when you're not performing, when you're losing close games, but when you completely lose the locker room, no one's putting in effort. That is when things are going amiss. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The effort was lacking on defense. I kept saying it as they were missing tackles throughout that game. But again, it was a lack of fundamental awareness on the sidelines, as you pointed out. You know, it's it's where are their problems greater? Is it on the field and the defense lack of hustle? Or is it on the sidelines with Kitchens, who just does not know any sort of situational uh, type of stuff? And then the thing we have to mention here at the on the opening remarks is this is a horrible team because it has an atrocious culture. Uh, and that showed its ugly head Sunday night with Jermaine Whitehead's threatening tweets in that whole episode. One could blame the GM for having a guy like that in there and adding a questionable character guy or adding other questionable character guys like OBJ and Kareem Hunt. But in reality, this team should be four and four, if not five and three. It's the head coach that is lacking that situational awareness that's creating uh, them to lose these games. They should have been able to beat Seattle at home. I think they had situations where they could have beaten Denver easily, uh, even despite the lack of effort on defense. It's Kitchens not knowing what to do uh, on certain moments, as we've outlined on this podcast. That's really, really holding them back. And again, the atrocious culture. They have the worst culture in the league, and they're also on my list. Uh, Free pick, I guess you and I are giving it out here at the top. Buffalo plus two and a half. Uh, I have a free pick for the end of the podcast, so we might as well just start off with free picks and give them at the end too. And the listeners deserve it. I'm feeling very generous after a good week nine. So there's the free pick. I, I'm assuming you agree. Bills plus two and a half. It's I'm not going to say here on the podcast, but or put it in our in our little standings. But uh, that's definitely a free pick for sure. 
So you guys are talking about bad quarterbacks, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want to see if you guys can guess the bottom three quarterbacks by rating. Ooh. And these are all guys who you know are normal normal starters. So don't think I'm like just picking a, a random guy who's only had a couple of passes. So who can would I, you guess as the bottom three based on quarterback rating? Can I ask one question? Yep. Do any of them have a winning record? Ooh. No. Okay. So I was going to say, Al, I thought Allen might have been the trick question. Josh Allen, that is. But uh, uh, I'll take the first stab at this, if you don't yeah, mind, yeah, Mr. Insider. Yeah, go for I'm it. I'm going to say <laughs> Sam Darnold is one of them. That's correct. That's a good one. I am going to say Baker Mayfield is two. That's correct. And I am going to say number three is my boy Daniel Jones. Uh, nope. Duh. He's he's down in the bottom seven. It's, it's, got, it's got to be Rosen. It's got to be the the whole class of last oh, yeah, year. Rosen is yeah. They've all bottomed out. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I don't see Rosen's name. He uh, he's not even I eligible. Probably. Yeah, I don't think he's eligible. Oh, so okay. The last guy you guys heard very close. Uh, Andy Dalton from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So he's in up. in last place, uh, Darnold is a seventy point five rating. Baker Mayfield seventy one point three, and then Dalton with seventy nine point two are the bottom three in the NFL. And Dalton's been benched. And you're reaching the point now with these quarterbacks where it's like, at what point do you move on? Some teams are doing it sooner rather than later, and I think rightly so. I think Sam Darnold's going to get a, at least another year just because of his rookie ish contract, but. Man, but they're they're, in the, they're both those guys coming out of 2018. You're looking at them like, hey, we've got the quote unquote future franchise quarterback, and now look where we are. So, Coulter, you take it away, man, because you were saying that draft class of 2018 no longer looks like a quarterback draft. Yeah, it's looking like Darnold week in week out is a broken man. Uh, I didn't want to see this happen after that Monday night game, but I mean, you can't say enough bad things about how he's played since that game. Uh, he played horrible in it. That was one of the worst games of the year for any quarterback. I think it was the worst, but he hasn't been any better since. And Gase, it seems like, doesn't have the answers to fix him. So you can consider him a bust. Rosen looks like he's on his way to be a career backup. And so that leaves us with Baker Mayfield, who we just talked about. This guy was a three-star recruit. He doesn't have top-end talent. This isn't a guy who has been a five-star recruit his whole life. He's he's worked hard and, and credit to him, but like, at the end of the day, he wasn't necessarily supposed to be the number one overall pick. He kind of was catapulted into that. And then you have Josh Allen, who's wildly inaccurate. And yeah, the Buffalo Bills are winning right now. But can that be sustained over a three to four year window? Uh, if you were asking me, you know, Tom Brady retires tomorrow. Who's going to win the AFC East for the next three years? Buffalo is the obvious answer. But man, I would look at the odds for any of the other teams. I mean, Josh Allen, three years being successful. Uh, getting that team to the playoffs multiple years in a row. I just, I don't see that being the case. He's the best of them, but it really lacks consistency. And you're also at an interesting point with some guys that are a little older, like Mariota, like Jameis Winston, even Cam Newton. Now you got these teams with younger quarterbacks that they're willing to roll the dice with. Even a guy like Trubisky, who I think is done. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I, I was shocked that his name didn't come up. I, I guess Josh Rosen, because I thought he was worse than, yeah, he's fourth. And, and you, that kind of falls in line. I mean, you have Darnold and Mayfield, their coaches, we've already gone over, Kitchens and Gase are my one, two. And Matt Nagy is, he's ascending high on my worst coaches list. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the guy was so offended that. Nagy would even be considered fired. He said, fire the GM Ryan Pace before you fire Nagy. I disagree with that. This team had 10 yards on offense at halftime. We talked about it on Wednesday. It was like we didn't even have to think about that being our key pick. 
It was a great handicap by you. I think uh, Doug Peterson completely knew what Nagy was going to try to do. And he snuffed it out for a full half football. They had 10 yards. They were terrible. And yeah. now they're in a situation where they've got to pull the plug on Mitch T. This season is lost after what looked like such a, a promising uh, campaign last year in 2018. And, you know, I went after him last week on the pod, so I'm not going to be repetitive. But coach of the year last year, I don't see it. Nagy did not deserve that. He doesn't have the answers in Chicago. And uh, similar to what you just said about the Browns, that they're a team that I do not want to bet on, right? Yeah, like, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I, we're, we just keep giving away the free picks here. I don't have that as one of my best bets. But again, just another inside my brain is just don't bet on the Bears. Don't bet on the Browns right now. Well, That's, and the other thing about the Bears is if you're a Bears fan, you got to just it, it's got to be tough times looking ahead because not only did the Bears draft Mitch Trubisky, they traded up to get Mitch Trubisky at a point where two guys that were on the board who went after him, Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were sitting there. So not only do they trade draft picks to get Trubisky, then they go all in and trade for Khalil Mack and give up a whole shit ton of first round picks for them. For, for the Bears, the outlook move, like moving forward, it's scary. You don't have any draft picks. You don't have a quarterback. And now it seems like you don't even have a coach. Yeah, they went all in on uh, on Khalil Mack, and it's crazy to think. that This has to be one of the craziest uh, plot twists in the NFL over the last two years is that when that first happened, I remember exactly where I was. I was down in Virginia on a lake, and I just went, wow, the Bears just won that trade, even though they put in two first. They got top three defensive player in the league. They won the trade. That was my number one reaction. Terrible deal for the Raiders. I am singing a completely different tune today. That looks like a terrible trade because that pick is going to be pretty high and the Bears don't have the answers. And to your point about trading for Trubisky, I don't blame Pace for necessarily not taking Watson or Mahomes. Watson had the big knee injury and Mahomes was supposed to be in pick in the 20s. I remember the over-under for where he was positioned. So I can't fault the GM for, for not taking Mahomes. I don't think a lot of teams were going to take Mahomes. But the thing about it is, is they traded up. They traded two picks just to go up from three to two to take this yeah. guy. That that's what looks really bad. And uh, yeah, I mean, Bears are a disaster. I, stay away from them. I'm telling you, that's 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 the short end of it here at the top of the podcast. Stay away from now, the Browns and the, and the Bears. I'd be a little remiss not to bring up the Snoopy Bowl this upcoming Sunday of the Jets and the Giants for a couple of reasons. We already hit on the bad coaching with the Jets, the bad quarterback. We got to shift our attention to my New York football giants. And while I think Daniel Jones has shown that he has the ability to be a franchise quarterback, he's turning the ball over at a rapid rate, which is concerning. But my real issue here is the head coach, Pat Shermer. Now on Monday night's game in a game against the division rival Cowboys, when you know your season's already over, he played the most conservative game I've ever seen a coach play. There is at least four times where you are inside the 10 yard line. The play calling just goes to shit. And then they just decided to kick field goals the entire time. I get it. Maybe in the first half, play conservative, kick, put the points on the board, see what happens. But all of a sudden the third and fourth quarter, when you're looking down the barrel at a 12, 18 point deficit here and you're kicking field goals, what the fuck are you thinking? And I want to read you these stats here because I saw this and I knew Shermer was not historically a good coach, but listen to what he's done now. His career record as a head coach is 17 and 41 with the giants. It is seven and 18. And this just points to decision-making in 25 games with the giants. He has done 11 challenges. He's won two of them. Wow. 
He's that is impressive. Re- that's a that's impressive research right there. I did not realize he was as bad as that. I, I thought only Freddie was as bad challenging thing. Yeah, <laughs> he did have a horrible challenge on Monday night. You're right. That was so nonsensical. And uh, you, the listeners, if you were listening closely, I said don't bet the Bears and Browns because of the three bad coaches that I'm riding this week. I am actually on Adam Gase and the Jets at the two and a half. I think there was a four point swing from the look ahead line. A lot of value on the Jets. Uh, not to keep giving the free picks, but that that's one I have. I, not not a best bet. Uh, we'll get to the best bets in a second, but I do like the Jets' value. And uh, to your point, I, Shermer could be up in that top five worst coaches echelon. He could be yeah. right there with Gase, Nagy, and Kitchens. Uh, you know, I, Jason Garrett was trying very hard to get back into that top five on Monday night, in my opinion. But Shermer is right there, as you said. The, the challenge thing is just a lack of situational awareness and. Yeah, just terrible game planning and decision making throughout that game. Yeah, really bad. And that'll segue us. So let's go into our picks from last week. Let's see how everyone is doing in the standings. Mr. Model, take us away, sir. Yeah, so last week was an interesting one. Let me go through the results before I give the current standings. So, Coulter, you had taken Dallas minus seven and a half over Casale's New York football giants. That came through with a win for you. Uh, one of the few times that you're actually on the clapper, so good job. And then your key pick did not. You had taken New England minus three and a half over Baltimore. That was a game that I had actually bet New England minus three, and boy, did they get rolled. That one hurt. Casale, your non-key pick was that one exactly. New England minus three and a half also was a loss, but key pick Casale continues on. Philadelphia minus four and a half over Chicago. That came through for a win. Uh, nice job by you. And then I went 0-2. I took Cleveland minus 3.5 over Denver. Boy, Denver actually showed up and actually <laughs> rolled them. Uh, that surprised me. And then the Thursday night game, always something funky is going to happen. San Francisco minus 9.5 was my key pick. And Arizona kept that much closer than I was expecting. So The, the Thursday nights, man, just you, you never know what's going to happen. I think it's at this point – Expect chaos and just adjust your pick because I I'll let you guys know. I almost picked that Thursday night game this week, but I'm just I can't do it. There's, who knows what's happening here? I'm, I'm taking that it is, this week. That is my best bet. Yeah, best <laughs> bet. that's my best bet is the Thursday night game. But to that, <laughs> right. to, to that to that Arizona game in our pool, I, I think there's 35 or 36 guys in it. 30 of them were on the Niners. I'm so happy that I just changed to the Cardinals. I didn't know that ahead of time, but I was looking at it on Sunday thinking like, wow, what a gift that I covered that. And then it ended up being the that was the true reason why I won the week is that everybody else was on the Niners. I got an extra free point and got a leg up on everybody. Yeah. And it, to to your point, it's just the chaos of Thursday night. Uh, the Cardinals got a late touchdown. Uh, I think the Niners are quite frankly very pricey. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, I actually have Seattle as one of my best bets too, but we'll talk about them in a sec. But yeah, that Thursday night game, it's tough not to just take the points, especially when it's a nine and a half point spread. Yeah. Okay, so for the standings for this week, before we get into our picks, in first place, still leading the pack, Ryan, you have 16 points. You are at nine wins and nine losses, and your key pick, Kazalek, just is carrying you. Key pick, Kazalek. That's all I got to say, all right? Just is that, is that eight, eight and one this year? I think so. <laughs> we got to get that sponsored, man. Are you kidding? Seriously, God, who's God, out there? Sponsored. We got to get my bad coaching ranking sponsored and your key pick castle. Those are two <laughs> sponsored segments right there. I think we can do that. Someone out there that's listening, maybe it's a ring doorbell or something. Key pick, pick the lock. 
it's been amazing. I, every key pick that you have, I just jump on board with just for the record. I did too. I, I used the Eagles as my key in the pool and thank God I did. It got Mark. me the victory. It was, it was great. Mark. You're welcome boys. All right. Limping along in second place. Uh, I'm holding steady there. Not sure how seven wins, 11 losses. Good for 11 points, five points behind Casale. And then in third place, Coulter, uh, you are also at seven wins, 11 losses, but you only have eight points. Your key picks in the podcast just haven't been coming through. It's just so ironic that you are dominating this pool, but can't get it on the podcast. Not to keep leading our listeners along here, but I have a preview of something I want to talk about at the end of this podcast, which is next week's New England game. But let's just suffice it to say I was very off on the New England handicap. Um, the short version of it is, is just the Patriots offense had to play catch up and couldn't, which was actually the, my biggest factor for taking them against Baltimore. I didn't think the Ravens could keep up, uh, but they jumped out to a lead and I assumed, uh, new England would be up early in that game. That was the wrong assumption. I did not even factor in what that game would look like if the Ravens were up 10 to 17, nothing. And sure enough, they built that lead 10, 17 and, uh, new England just could not come back. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Coulter, since you are in first place in the pool, why don't you take us away here with our week 10 picks? Oh, yeah. This is uh, one of my favorites of the year. The one I'm going to give at the very end of the podcast is my best bet of the year for week 11. But this is one of my favorite bets of the year. Seattle plus six and a half. Woo, boy. Too many points here. I have the best offensive player on the field in Russell Wilson, and I have the best defensive player on the field in Bobby Wagner. And I'm getting almost a touchdown in a sterile home environment. That Niners stadium is not as rocking as people think it is. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I love this situational spot here, and I just love the value of the points. I don't get why the line is this high. It's pure that the Niners are overrated. Uh, it's saying this line is telling me that on an on a even field, if this was the Super Bowl, uh, that the Niners are that, or no, if it was at a neutral field, it would be even spread. That is just, or it's in Seattle, it would be an even spread. That is just wrong, in my opinion. Sorry, I was doing the math there wrong. So it's a six point swing. So if it was in Seattle, the Niners would be favored by a point and a half. I just disagree with that. Jimmy G factor, he can exploit uh, Seattle secondary. I don't really think so. You know, Jameis did so, but he has much better receivers. The Niners don't have playmakers on the outside. We shouldn't overreact to what we saw with Jimmy G against Arizona on Thursday night because that secondary is terrible. And then the last thing, this is a nice little nugget here that you guys should listen to. Hawks away from home. They've covered every game on the road this year, and yet they've failed to cover at home. Why? Because this team gets pricey at home in Seattle. They're one of the most popular teams uh, in the league at home, and it's just not the case when they're on the road. Uh, they're not like a pedigree team like Dallas or Pittsburgh that gets all the public action every week. That's wrong. They get the public action when they're home, when they're playing a Jameis Winston or an Andy Dalton. And look what we've seen all year long. This team can't cover at home because their their lines are juiced up when they play at home. They get valued a really a great value when they're away from home, I think. I'm excited to see how this trend plays out. I'm calling it early. I love Seattle on the road. I love them six and a half points. And I I'm fading the all the hype around San Francisco. This is a team that was rejected to have eight wins at the beginning of the season. They have eight wins already. They're, yeah. they're going to start losing games. Vegas knows what they're doing. They're not that off on this team. I'm not going to fade the Niners quite that hard. I think they are a good team, but as far as the spread goes, I'm with you here. I almost made this my key pick. Uh, 
Also on a neutral side field, we should compare and contrast here is last week in San Francisco, the line was nine and a half against the Cardinals. And you're telling me that the Seahawks are only three points better than the Cardinals. No fucking way. I'm with you here. I'm taking the Seahawks plus the points. I totally agree. I plugged this one in. I like Seattle plus six and a half. I'm right alongside you guys. Yeah. All right, Mr. Model, do you want to uh, come in with your first pick? Yeah, and I want to frame this conversation and frame this pick real fast. I feel like I'm coming in limping. I'm coming in looking at all the games this week rudderless. I do not have an anchor. I'm flailing. I need help. (laughs) So uh, for my non-key pick, here's where I'm at right now. I have just recently updated. I'm now going L.A. Rams minus three and a half over Pittsburgh. Love it. I cannot come to you with a huge reason why other than the LA Rams to me have been a team that has been underperforming of late. I expect them to turn it around, especially on, on offense uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And to me, they are a team that needs to start gelling Pittsburgh. While not a bad team is definitely dealing with some injuries. Uh, Connor, for example, is questionable this week. Who knows if he'll play, uh, backup quarterback continuing to start, although actually playing pretty decent. Yeah. Um, so in this spot, given that the Rams are away, I still like them minus three and a half. I would love to get it at minus three, but that's not the case. So that's who I'm going with my non-key pick. Please. I need some therapist. Help me here. One of the best picks you've had all year. I love the Rams here. This is a home run spot for them. I think it's a lot of points for Jared Goff on the road, but it's the same thing with Jason Garrett on the road last week at Monday night. Sometimes you just have to face it with determination and you have to just take it, even though you don't want it, that extra half point. It's the exact same thing that happened with Dallas. You don't want that extra half point. Of course you don't. You want minus three, but you just have to plow forward. The Rams are the better team here. Here's another little tidbit for the listeners, and you guys are going to love this one. McVay can coach on the East Coast. He is perfect this year, 3-0. He was perfect last year, 3-0. Perfect in 2017 on the East Coast. Coast. This guy is a great coach away from home. He knows how to travel with this team. He knows how to prepare this team. This is the heart of the Rams' success over the last three years. They are not phased like a typical West Coast team. They are built to travel. He has such a coaching advantage on Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is 36% against the spread after two wins in a row. I do not like the Steelers when they win two games in a row. Fade Tomlin. Fade Tomlin when he wins multiple games in a row. The Rams are rested. They're motivated. They have to keep up in the NFC. Aaron, you have a full agreement. This is a great pick. I'm seeing some skepticism from the other group member here. Kazley, do you want to weigh in? You know, if I may cross from NFL <laughs> into the NCAA, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> oh, I got Corso. Got the Corso. Uh, see, the only reason for this, too, is the game last week. I thought Indy was going to just dominate that game going into Pittsburgh. I thought Indy was the better team. I know Brissett got hurt, but something about this Steelers team feels like a scrappy team to me. It's almost like the we don't nobody believes in us team like the, all their guys are getting hurt. Like you said, Connor's out. Fucking Ben is out. But they're starting to gel. And I'm, I think you're selling Tomlin a little too low here. I know McVay's the better coach, but it's not like Tomlin's a shit coach. He's a bad coach after two wins. The, the numbers don't lie. 36% against the spread after two wins in a row. Okay, that I'll buy. I will uh, – that I'll acknowledge. However, it's going to be cold. 
the Rams are in my head, this kind of diva LA team say what you want about it. That's a tough place to play. They're starting to get a little momentum. I think they Pittsburgh also realizes that the AFC is pretty much wide open when it comes to the wild card standpoint. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be a little frisky down the, the stretch here. I'm just not ready to jump on board and make that pick. So I'm going to take the Steelers here. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking of that bears game last year. They got demolished in the cold weather. That's a great point. That was where that diva kind of thing about the Rams is built in. But I'm telling you, when they traveled to the far corners of this country, all the way from coast to coast, McVeigh is perfect. That was central time zone. I, I don't know. You just got to look at the stats on that one. Uh, that's just where I land. McVeigh, I think, has an advantage over Mike Tomlin. It's a lot of points, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And that, that's, that's a tough game. I could see that going either way. I give the model some balls for making that because it's a tough game to pick. <laughs> okay, boys, for my first pick, I'm also taking a game with a lot of points, but I am going on a pure coaching mismatch. As big of a coaching mismatch as there may be the entire fucking football season. Does anyone want to guess? Yeah, I want to guess. I want to say that you are looking at New Orleans over Atlanta. Bingo. That's a bingo. I am taking the Saints at home. It's a place where they do not lose. Sean or Sean Payton is just a good fucking coach. That's all you need to know. I think Breeze came back and really just any concerns about his thumb, his throwing injuries, that went out the window last week. Atlanta is absolutely done. And I mean done. And I know you want to say, hey, I get it. It's indoors. Atlanta plays indoors. They're a high-scoring offense, 13 and a half. It's a lot of points to give that team that can score. Guess what? Their defense is absolutely atrocious. New Orleans defense is good. This is not even going to be a close game. This could be a 25-plus point victory for the Saints. Love it. Yeah, I, I, this this will be a little preview on a Sunday morning. If Matt Ryan can't play, this will be my key pick. New Orleans will get my two my two point pick just on pure value because the line, I think, will go up from 13 and a half to 17. Uh, I think Ryan is worth that much. I think Schaub is that bad. And to your point, at 13 and a half, this is an absolute home run. If Matt Schaub is the quarterback of the Falcons bet of the year. Uh, you just don't know. With Matt Ryan, though, I'm afraid the back door might be open, and that half point kind of scares me. Uh, but with Matt Schaub in there, you can't make the line high enough. You said 25. I legitimately think that is the right line if Matt Schaub <laughs> is the co- quarterback of Atlanta on Sunday. So at 13 and a half, this is a I full agreement, absolutely, with Schaub in. My worry is that 13 and a half is a lot of points. Now, it would be better if it was 14 or 14 and a half. I didn't know uh, Matt Ryan wasn't going to possibly be playing. I know Schaub has been playing, what, the last week or two? Is he coming back or not, Ryan? I think it's it's open right now. They haven't really decided one way or another on who the quarterback is. That was the last I saw. Yeah. I mean, even if Matt Ryan's in there, I know he's a good quarterback, but you tell me that they're going to go in there, a lifeless team against the Saints, and Uh, even make it a, a close game? I think the best part of the handicap was the first point. The coaching disparity is you can't, I I, I have Sean Payton ranked hard concrete number two head coach in the league. It's not even as, as number one as Bill Belichick is as far away as he is from the herd. I think Sean Payton is as far away from the herd as the number two head coach. I think this guy is a great motivator. I think he's a great uh, game 
prepare. And I think Dan Quinn is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I think he's ranked 31. I have Kitchens ranked 32 currently uh, just because of his horrible, horrible situational awareness as we went over. But Quinn is a terrible motivator. He's totally lost the locker room. And I think most importantly about the coaches is Sean Payton is a killer. Talk about a guy who loves to get margin. This is like a good old college coach. You feel safe in Sean Payton's arms when you have 13 and a half because this guy can go for the throat. He's not afraid. I love the Saints here. Especially at home. Okay, Coulter, take us away with your key pick of the week. Key pick of the week. I don't know how I ended up here. and You guys actually might end up challenging me on the side of this just because it's a pick of. But Thursday night, give me the Chargers minus a point or just a half point. I, I was going to say one and a half points. It's just a half point. So it's just a pick them. Give me the chargers. This is a strength of schedule matchup. This is how I analyzed it. Chargers schedule has been a lot tougher than Oakland's, even with Oakland having five weeks on the road, the Raiders got blown out by green Bay uh, coming off a bye. the chargers just beat them by 15 points in a game that nobody thought the chargers could win. The chargers are surging. The Raiders have some momentum, but this is a team that has found ways to lose against Houston, blow a lead against Chicago this is a bad defense. The Chargers have beat, should have beaten Tennessee. They really could be 5-4 and four right now. They're better than the record indicates. And another scheduling thing here is let's not overreact to Detroit. The Raiders beat the Lions in a game that they should have beaten Detroit. This was the expectation. The expectation uh, is that they lose here. So you just have to follow Vegas on this one. I, the Lions are not that great of a team. The Raiders got an, an easy win at home. This is not, will not be an easy win at home. Uh, this other thing too, I love about this is the QB mismatch. Uh, I love rivers on a short week with little time to prepare this defense as we just went over with Arizona and San Francisco last week. These defenses don't play well on Thursday night. Who's going to exploit that Derek Carr or Phil rivers. I think he's fearless playing on the road in the black hole. He's played there 12 times in his career. This is not a quarterback that's going to get afraid of the fans going crazy. In fact, he'll probably start yelling at them. This is a guy who is fully motivated. He beat the Chiefs on Thursday night last year. He loves playing in the limelight. The Chargers never get these type of games. He's going to be super motivated. I love the advantage there. Most importantly, there's a talent disparity here. When I look at this team and I do the pick the 10 best players in the game trick, which I've done a few times, seven of them came up Chargers when I did that, when I compared the roster. Uh, the Chargers are just a better team. I love that pick. That's exactly my key pick as well. I am taking the Chargers minus a half point over the Raiders. I am right there alongside with you. I love the momentum they had from last week that you mentioned uh, their win over Green Bay. Thursday night can always be funky. It burned me last week, but I'm back again at the trough, and we'll see if it comes through. (laughs) Well, I hate to do this to you boys twice in one segment, but not so (laughs) fast, my friends. (laughs) <laughs> for pretty much what you just said Aaron it's Thursday night and you just never fucking know what's going to happen I actually think this Raiders team is scrappier than I thought they were in the preseason I had this team written off as a 2-14 and 14 team after the Broncos win that first week I was like yeah maybe it's just Gruden firing his team up you know last big primetime game in the black hole but then they started showing me some things they kind of hung around I know last week's win against the Lions like you said Coulter isn't really that surprising and what is surprising is the chargers beating the shit out of the packers so i think this has the potential for being one of those wonky trap games where everyone is like a half a point for the chargers are you fucking kidding me and they're all going to be on that i think the public's going to be on that and i think that alone 
is my reason for taking the Raiders here. Not that I think that the Raiders are the better team. I just think it's a funky wonky situation. It's going to be in it in Oakland. Something about that line feels weird to me. And that's why I'm picking the Raiders. Yeah. You, you did a great job of sniffing out my least favorite part of the handicap. And I actually kind of gave away my hand there at the, the top of it is that it has moved up to one and a half on the pool. It's 0.5. So it's a pure pick them. But there has been uh, three points of value lost now that it's at one and a half point spread. What it, it, it opened as uh, Oakland was a point half favorite, uh, right. but I do I do like it as just a straight pick them in our pool. Um, it does tell me though that it moved to one and a half already. That to your point that the public has pounded it, and I do not like that. Uh, so I did give that away as I stumbled it with my line there at the beginning. But I, I still love the Chargers. I think there's just a huge talent uh, disparity between these two clubs. I also like this. And this is totally me projecting, uh, but I, I try to do this every so often with with games. The Chargers are playing the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. They played on Thursday Night Football last year. The NFL likes this matchup. They like yeah. Rivers versus Mahomes. They want to hype it up. Guess what? Guess what game was Week Eleven Monday Night Football last year? The Rams and Chiefs. This is the sweet spot of the Monday Night Football season. The NFL wants these games to be good. It's not a surprise to me at all that Seattle's playing San Francisco and they're both surging. They're both really good. This is kind of like where the season gets ramped up here in November. The night games are a lot better. And I, I just, I keep looking at the chargers and I know that they're going to be playing the chiefs next week. And I just can see that game being hyped up as like a huge, huge game. And, and rightfully so it will be a huge game. Yeah. Nope. All those things uh, I agree with, but I'm just, for whatever reason, I'm taking the Raiders. Johnny, Johnny Gruden has you, has you swayed. I'll tell you what, man, that John Gruden, he knows how to coach. Can I ask that, one, that Gruden. What, one question? What good team have the Raiders beat? Because I'm, I'm not fully convinced that the Colts are a great team. I think they're the sixth or seventh best team in the AFC. And if that's the Raiders' best win, I don't know. I just like the Chargers wins more. I just I don't see a team that they, they beat Mitch Trubisky. They beat a terrible Broncos offense in the first week of the season, and they beat the Raiders and the Lions. I just don't see a team that I should give them much respect for uh, you know I agree I, that, that. that's where i, I come that. from on that too i mean i do the agree schedule that. is huge for me in this one I, I i love the fact that everybody uh, see i think the public is going to look at the raiders and be like wow they beat the lions last week and that's where the lie is i don't think the lions are as good as people think that defense is terrible they almost blew the game to danny dimes two weeks ago and we were just yeah. we're talking about how bad the giants are so this is more of a fade off of the raiders in that lions game um, and this again is a team that's tried to lose multiple times this year. All right. We'll see. Mr. Model, what do you got for your key pick? That was my key pick. That, so that I'm was going it. Oh, you both got it. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Taking them Thursday night over Oakland. Come on. All right. I'm fading both of you. I kind of don't like that based on the results of our pool standings, but hey, <laughs> the, the man versus the model having two crossfires. We know how to promote this podcast. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. My key pick, it's really not that complicated, folks. We discussed it. We hinted at it. We nudged around it. I'm going all in. I am taking the Buffalo Bills at Cleveland. I just think that Cleveland Circus is running its way out of town. It's about to burn to the ground. I can't trust Freddie Kitchens like we talked about. I can't trust Baker Mayfield. I think on the flip side, Josh Allen is an interesting quarterback. And I know Cleveland's got a good pass rush, but what you can know, uh, alleviate a good pass rush with is a mobile quarterback. Josh Allen, for whatever reason, is a scrappy quarterback. The Buffalo defense is excellent. I don't think Cleveland's going to be able to do anything against that defense. 
And I just see this game being a runaway. Two and a half points is I'm looking at that line. Like, am I reading that wrong? Is that, a, is that a mistake? That line should be five and four and a half for Buffalo. I mean, two and a half, they're getting points. I am taking that and I'm running to the bank. Keep it. Cazalet strikes again, folks. I just think there's zero respect for Buffalo. I, so I agree with you. I'm, I too am taking Buffalo plus two and a half. I just think that the res- schedule and results of Buffalo so far have not shown a whole lot. I'm still not convinced in Josh Allen. I like your comment around him being mobile. I'm more than anything just continuing to fade the Browns, although I do expect them to turn around at some point. You can't think that they're going to be this bad throughout the whole year. Uh, but I would love that two and a half points, and I'm hopeful that the Buffalo Bills are going to show up and continue to roll. Yeah, one of the best values of the week, full agreement for me. Uh, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the pod. It's fade Browns or don't pick the game. You know, it, it has to be the Bills. At this point, the Browns don't exist. You know, when I look at the office football pool and I see the, all the teams, it's like the Matrix. And I'm just pulling out the Browns from the matrix and I'm just not even seeing the Browns on my grid. Like that's just how it is. So it, it's, it's literally bills or, or I'm not picking the game. So yeah. uh, I, I, I can't say enough bad things about how Cleveland is. I, I we already talked about it. the culture's terrible. Kitchens is awful. Yeah. Mayfield's a shell of himself. Uh, I love, I love the bills in this spot. And Mr. Model, to your point, I know the bills have not beaten that many good teams, but they play the schedule that they've got. There's nothing they can do about that. And they've beaten the bad teams. And guess what? The Browns are a bad team. That's all I got to say on that one. If I put you guys on the spot again, what is the rank of the Bills defense for points against in the NFL out of 32 teams? What number do you think they are? I bet you like three. Yeah. Yeah. Third or fourth. You guys nailed it. So they are third overall, 16 points a game. Yeah. The defense is nasty. And you're not going to be able to pass. They're, they're going to make Baker try and beat them through the air. Just double Odell and make Baker, Baker try and make plays. And that's it. Stop. And, you, stop and you know, and you know that white can do that. He's a shutdown corner. And I, I just don't trust Baker right now. I don't trust Baker favorited. Uh, he's now in like that territory where I don't think he should ever be, uh, you know, getting any sort of uh, favoritism from the bookies. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, let's see what we got here. I know, Coulter, you're hinting at a few others. I think we covered a, a decent amount here. Yeah, uh, let me that, quick quickly reward our faithful re- listeners with a quick bonus pick because I'm feeling just so generous right now. It's the holiday season, you know. I love the Chiefs, four, minus four and a half here. Talk about it. The coaching slash quarterback disparity of the year. I mean, Andy Reid, he's the much better coach here. And, if man, if Mahomes is playing, Mahomes versus Ryan Tannehill – I just, I love it. Kansas city's defense is getting healthier. They held Dalvin cook into check a week ago after making Aaron Jones look like Herschel Walker. But uh, this team, they're playing good defense. They played it against the Broncos three weeks ago. They're probably the only team that played good defense on Thursday night all season. Um, I think this unit is getting healthier. Uh, They're motivated by the Ravens win on Sunday night football. This is all about AFC playoff seating. This is, I think the chiefs are the most motivated team in the NFL this week because of what the Ravens did. They're going after that coveted buy spot. They do not want an extra game for Patrick Mahomes. And they won last week with their backup quarterback. That is always inspiring for a locker room. Uh, that's a huge motivation factor for me. This is a Chiefs club that has to be feeling the highest it's felt all season. And uh, I just love this pick. Um, I'm going to give one more look ahead pick because this is this is the sausage getting made for our listeners here. This is <laughs> why I'm number one in the pool. 
Eagles over Patriots next week. Mark it down. Wow. Mark it down. This is this. I'm going to let you guys in on a little inside baseball to my success. Wow, it's almost in t- this is it. And you can tweet out the fan because I want it. I want a war here. My success in this pool is almost entirely predicated on fading New York sports talk radio. If they say red, <laughs> I'm picking blue. I've had my moments here or there this season, but you know, I've seen some things. I, I picked up on the mobile quarterback thing against the Giants. That was, I think, more me than anything. But most of the time, I'm just listening to what they're saying, and then I, I, I hear what they say, and I pick the opposite, and I start building a case for the opposite. And most of the time, my case is better, and most of the time it wins. I mean, you guys, say, you see it in the standings. Uh, let's just go through this game really quick. This is a Super Bowl rematch, and this is a great example of the exercise of fading the, the, rock, the radio talk show guys. All they kept saying on Monday morning in New York, their biggest takeaway was how good Baltimore and Lamar Jackson is. That is simply the wrong way to look at this game. And why this upcoming matchup is my favorite bet of the year. Lamar being a mobile quarterback is not why the Patriots lost this football game. It's because they're fundamentally flawed on offense. They can't keep up with teams. They can't score points. Why isn't anybody talking about this factor? The Patriots haven't played a single offense that's averaging over 20 points a game other than the Ravens. They have played terrible offense after terrible offense. Their offense has been completely, completely covered by how good that defense is. This is a terrible offense, not terrible, but very flawed offense. This is their offense in a nutshell. They cannot run the football. They have multiple injuries on the offensive line. They don't have a fullback. They cannot run. Michelle is not as good as he was last year. That's plain and simple. They're missing Rob Gronkowski. Their running game is a mess. They also can't block for their quarterback. Their number one receiving option is a third, a career number three receiver, Mohamed Sanu. I just don't see the talent there. Sanu is their best skill position player right now. That's scary going into December and January. The Patriots can't be happy about the way that this is playing out. And then most important, Philly is fully, fully motivated here. The Eagles are tired about hearing this narrative of how their Super Bowl win over New England was a fluke. They're going to prove that it wasn't, that they deserve more respect on a historic level. And they also have to keep up with Dallas and the NFC East. I can't get to this line quick enough. I can't wait till Bovada puts it out. Eagles over Patriots bet of the year. I'm so sick and tired of hearing these sports talk radio assholes talk about how good Baltimore is and not talk about how bad New England is. Their offense is not good. Please tell me we're going to do a segment next week where we channel Coulter again and then come back to him after the game and see how it went. Oh, 1000%. And Coulter, (laughs) you are channeling our motto, the George Costanza, if every instinct the New York sports talk radio host have is wrong, (laughs) then the opposite would have to be true. (laughs) Now I've revealed my magic, so I hope it doesn't get spoiled. But man, that's just what I've been doing all year. And we kind of pointed it out earlier with everybody in the pool being on the Giants. It's just like, Everyone here in New York is just brainwashed by these dumbasses who I don't know when they're looking at the slate of football games because every time they're looking at them, they just pick the wrong way. And I can't wait to hear them pick New England next week because I'm just going to have a laugh about that. I, I can already hear it. New England coming off a bye. New England coming off a bye and a loss. Belichick's going to be motivated. No, 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 no. <laughs> Philly all the way. Their defense will shut down Brady. This offense, that they are – Trust me, this is a team. It's going to get worse, I think, than it, before it gets better. That's my hot take of the year. 
I'm going to tag Al Dukes and WFAN, and we're going to just get that soundbite on the air. Please do. I, I'm ready for a little. I'm, I'm confident. I've got 81 points in the, the pool. I'm number one. You know, I got to have a little confidence after, you know, a great start to the season. And I do. And it's really predicated on just listening to these buttholes in the morning. And they can't, they literally can't pick games to save their lives. I don't know what they're looking at. Well, that is quite the finish to our episode. We absolutely love it. That is episode 55 in the books. Coulter, Mr. Model. Thank you very much, boys. I told you there'd be fireworks. (laughs) There would be, and there is. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money, and you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.